The Greg Proofs Film Club reconvenes once more with tonight's uh, 1989 classic by Spike Lee, Do the Right Thing. Live from Hollywood's most enchanting film confabulation, The Cine Family, located here on Fairfax Avenue in the modestly priced coffee district and rows of kids sitting in a long line waiting to buy athletic shoes district. The douchebaggery is unimaginable, the fuckery is palpable. The breakfast burrito is inescapably awesome. Uh, and of course, there's a, a, a ample parking for no one, which makes this one of Hollywood's most genial spots. Welcome back once again. Our last outing was um, uh, nine to five uh, with Dolly, yeah, thank you. Dolly Parton, Jane Fonda and uh, Lily Tomlin, uh, that was Jennifer's pick. This was also, of course, Jennifer's pick. It's, uh, uh, we tried to get this on earlier here at the Cine Family and uh, the time wasn't ripe and they were doing another thing, but this month it fell in perfectly. Um, normally, uh, uh, there's a lot of, uh, all right, let me just start at the beginning. I remember when the movie came out and uh, a lot of uh, white people were really upset and a lot of white critics were like, this is gonna make black people riot. Um, and I believe Spike Lee's response was, how many times do pieces of fiction make black people go wild? Um, uh, so it was wildly controversial, and I think still is, and that's what makes it uh, such a pertinent picture uh, for today's fine comedy selection. Uh, this is a comedy podcast, by the way. Uh, I, I, yeah, uh, you're all like, well, show flashes of that. Um, we'll get to that. Uh, uh, I just feel like uh, with the state we're living in, with the Tangerine Tyrant, with Mango uh, Mussolini, with uh, decidedly this week, the Kremlin-controlled carrot, uh, Sweet Potato Stalin, um, he, uh, he's created an air of uh, um, uh, free and easy racism. Let, let's just put it this way. These are the dog days for racists, you know? Uh, kind of like pre-Civil uh, uh, War America. This is really a, a great time to not know much and to hold ignorance in high regard. Uh, and so uh, I think this movie uh, uh, cuts a hole in that uh, in a lot of different ways. And uh, that's why we've chosen uh, to watch it here tonight. Went, so I went to see it with Jennifer. We were trying to remember what movie theater we went to see it in in San Francisco. I had a strange memory of going to Berkeley to see it, but I don't think that's right. In any case, um, uh, I had been mugged uh, by a group of uh, teenage black kids in San Francisco and they, they just kind of beat me down. And one of them yelled while they were mugging me, take his money, which I thought at the time, even lying there, was a good piece of advice. Um, if they'd said tickle him to death or something like that, I think I would have been mortified. But get his money, I thought was like, yeah, right, a plan. Uh, this seems like it might end, right? Because there was, you know, markers. And uh, little did they know I had a check in my pocket. Although where they would have cashed a check made out to Greg Proops in 1988 would have been beyond my ken. In any case, uh, uh, I was picked up by... Uh, uh, I, I was standing there sort of dazed and no glasses. That was the problem. They, I, they, they were gone and so I couldn't see. And a car pulled up and went, hey, get in. And, uh, and so I got in and uh, uh, they go, hey, we'll help you chase down those guys who beat you up. And I'm like, I don't really need to do that. Um, you know, and I guess I want to go see my girlfriend. Uh, maybe, you know, another altercation with them at post facto is probably not the most swank decision I've ever 
Uh, and they, of course, were hideous racists, and they wanted to do it for that very reason. And so uh, we went around the block once as I uh, uh, threw a few epithets at them, and then they dumped me back out and went, we're going to dump you at the place where they kicked your ass, and, which they did. And uh, so I went into a hotel lobby. The story gets funnier. And uh, <laughs> I said, excuse me, I've just been thumped outside. Can I use your phone? And they went, no, don't get blood everywhere. And so I went to the payphone. <laughs> I went to the payphone and called Jennifer, and then I got a cab. And she met me at some emergency room and stuff. And you were supposed to file a police report, but I was like, what was I gonna say? I was drunk walking down the street in a plaid suit with red patent leather shoes on. <laughs> I'm not saying it was justified that I was thumped and had my nose broken and my money stolen. But in a way, Your Honor, wasn't Mr. Poops asking for it? I had just done a private gig and I'd had about four or five drinkies and I was kind of high and I went into a record store on Grand Avenue that's no longer there and uh, they were playing Matthew Sweet. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, that, I'll tell you what year it was. Matthew Sweet was playing and uh, I remember being like, hey, all right. And I go outside and I'm singing, I think Elvis Costello or something idiotic and uh, I breezed right into it and they beat my ass. But uh, we, so Jennifer and I cut to, we go to see Do the Right Thing. And the movie ends and I'm like, yeah, that was fucked up, you know? And she's like, what is the matter with you? And I'm like, um, I didn't understand it. Let me put it that way. I was having a little trouble getting my head around it. And uh, so uh, I, the movie presents so many fantastically uh, real and uh, not insurmountable questions that we all have to deal with. Uh, I was forced to deal. And so, um, now, of course, I've uh, achieved a higher state. I'm a little bit like Tyrone Power in the movie uh, um, Razor's Edge. I've come back, and I'm, I'm better than you spiritually. <laughs> Fuckable, but now in an ethereal slash macho way, as opposed to before when I was just determined, but confused. So, uh, yeah, uh, I, uh, I think that that... Um, let me ask you this, and I've never asked anybody this at any of the film clubs. Um, how many people here by applause have seen this picture? Oh, a lot, okay. That, is that everybody or is that like half? Both, Both. nice. <laughs> the Buddhist center is open during the show. Uh, there's a small Buddhist shrine out there. That's our friend who said both uh, is in charge of the Buddhist center here at the Cine family. And he, uh, wants you to visit. It's a very small garden, but he combs it every day with a little rake. And uh, the answer to almost any question you can think of really is both. And I think that is a Zen way to go. Is this movie good or bad? Mm-hmm. Does this movie prevent stark outlines or is it a, a call to arms? Yes. Uh -huh. Yes, it is both. Um, I've forgotten the question now, which is the most zen part of what I just did. <laughs> I'm so in the moment that it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> uh, the reason why I wanted to know is, uh, if it's the first time you've seen it, uh, lots of things come as a big surprise to you. And if it's a, a time you've, uh, a repeat viewing, uh, you'll pick up all the, you know, the things that everybody picks up in the repeat viewings, that the sets and the, the, the set decoration, the costumes, everything is stunning in the picture. Um, but I wanted to read you a couple things because I think we need to hear it. Um, 
about the picture, first of all, uh, Paramount loved that he made She's Gotta Have It, but they didn't want to give him a bunch of money for a political movie, so he had to go to Universal with it, right? Um, and he wanted it to be a little more uh, showy up front. Uh, the point is, they got to make it, and at the time when they made the movie, there had been a huge incident at Howard Beach in New York uh, where a black kid got killed by, after being chased by a group of white people. So it was in the news all the time. Uh, it was in the air like it is now. Um, because it, it wasn't really that different before. Uh, the mad people just had different motifs, you know. Uh, uh, Reagan was no more coherent than uh, the cushions you're sitting on. And yet, he, he controlled the free world and hard-assed Gorbachev at parties. So, this isn't the most precarious time, it's just another fucking precarious time. That was to lift your spirits, by the way. <laughs> Consider me the chocolate drop that you take during the 30 seconds after you've woken up when you, before you regain complete consciousness and remember what the situation is. That thing that happens every morning. Uh, and anyway, he got the picture made, and um, uh, Rosie Perez uh, is in the opening credits, and um, they were going to do an oldie called The Cool Jerk, and she says that uh, they changed it right before, and he didn't give her any choreography, he just said, kill it, and she said she was up there for eight hours dancing, and by the end, she wasn't thinking about the music, she was just thinking, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you, Spike Lee, <laughs> which I thought was awesome. Uh, the cast of this movie is all over the cloud. It is so... Amazing. Uh, uh, there's familiar voices and resonant voices everywhere you look, and that's the other genius of it. Um, because of the current situation and the fact that uh, we have a white supremacist government, um, you can call them white nationalists or alt-right or pee-pee the frog or whatever you... Yeah, I know. It's like calling Nazis like kinder, gentler fascists. They're, they're leather supple to the touch. Um, these guys don't even have good uniforms. Hitler would never wear a tie that long. It looks shitty. And, Hitler plastered his hair down because he knew it was fucked. <laughs> so that whole, you know, it's like Hitler. No, it's not. Hugo Boss did Hitler's outfits. They were great. <laughs> this guy doesn't even have a fucking tailor. Papaya Pinochet and you don't have a fucking tailor? Go to Sulka. <laughs> did we learn nothing from Joey Lewis? You know, go to Botany 500. I don't know. Who... <laughs> Who does a, a, a portly, insane, fla uh, fascist, flush pot, oogie boogie type character men's store? Isn't there one like that? I know that's pretty specific. I always think of him like oogie boogie in Nightmare Before Christmas because oogie boogie was bound together by thread and was filled with writhing bugs. And when he comes rolling down the steps of Air Force Enio, that's all I can think of is that a thread's gonna catch one day. and that a desiccated orange sack full of writhing insects is going to bounce its way to the bottom of that staircase where a marine is going to salute it. <laughs> Let's just sit back and enjoy that for a while. This is the Chris Hayes Show. So I always have that hope in my heart and the fact that this is disorganized grabastic bullshit. Um, and think about it if everybody's really up to their uh, hips in Russians and I mean up to their hips in Russians hadn't they better worry about eating a bowl of like plutonium noodle soup or something nobody everybody's serious now because you know I'm right 
You think it's fucking grape tang and it's fucking strontium 90 tang. <laughs> Russians play hard. Jennifer and I were in London when one of the dissidents was quelled at a very famous restaurant called Matsuhita. And um, it was with, a, a, you know, plutonium. And the British police put up a yellow police tape around the building. <laughs> and it was like, but when it's radiation, does police tape really hold that in? <laughs> and like the place was closed for like, I don't know, two days, three days. Oh, uh, don't worry. It only has a half-life of 17,000 years. <laughs> Get the sushi, fuck it. Get the blowfish, go on, this is the night. <laughs> if I was Paul Manafort, one, I wouldn't be sitting here right now. I'd be hip deep in. <laughs> in, in a terrible conflation of flesh. And uh, uh, benighted by uh, uh, Drakkar Noir. Enveloped in a cloud of Drakkar Noir. My hair waxed into place by rivets the glad-handing smile on my face, that willingness to deal with anybody as long as they're not going to have me killed tonight. Uh, if I were him, uh, I would be here tonight to see this. No, uh, I'd be more worried about um, eating a stick of, uh, you know, juicy fruit fucking um, El Magordo. <laughs> this book is by uh, Michael Eric Dyson. Is it a film book? No. Uh, it's a book called Tears We Cannot Stop, A Sermon to White America. I just wanted to read you a couple things to orient you before the movie starts because I want to reorient all the white people here to their whiteness before the movie begins. How come you know so much? Because I'm a white person and I'm from San Carlos, the whitest place on earth. Home of the Plain Yogurt Festival. Take the fruit out, the powerful taste is burning our tongues. Where One Direction is found in the hip hop section. Justin Timberlake has to be in before dark. <laughs> We're white. Um, Michael Eric Dyson. Beloved, let me start by telling you an ugly secret. There's no such thing as white people. And yet so many of them, so many of you, exist. Please hear me out. I know you're flesh and blood. I know you use language and forks and knives. I'm not talking about your bodies or your garages or your grocery stores. I'm talking about the politics of whiteness talking about an identity that exists apart from the skin you're born in. I'm talking about a meaning of race that supersedes the features you inherit when you come out of the womb. You don't get whiteness from your genes. It's a social inheritance that is passed on to you as a member of a particular group. And it's killing us, and quiet as it's kept, it's killing you too. Race has no meaning outside the cultures we live in and the worlds we fashion out of its force and energy. Whiteness is an advantage and privilege because you have made it so not because the universe demands it. So, uh, understanding that, uh, I think it makes uh, the movie a lot easier to understand. Uh, um, white people sometimes are unclear on the role the police play outside of white world um, because the police tend to not pull us over and beat us and kill us and, and ruin our neighborhoods and shit like that. And uh, there's a lot about uh, uh, understanding that and uh, understanding that uh, because we all woke up when Orange 45 came in, uh, a lot of people were like, uh-huh. 
and had been dealing with it a long time before us. Um, maybe this is nothing new to you, and maybe you're all sitting there going like, wow, we're jaded sophisticates, and we'd already considered all of these angles, Greg. Um, and yet, at the same time, I can tell by the nervous white guy laughter that that isn't the case. And uh, so uh, I think I'm doing the right thing, uh, as Ozzy uh, Davis says in the movie. One more thing, and then we'll go right into the picture, because um, let's see here. Um, it's quite a good book, but very difficult to read, obviously, because it's true. Uh, Coptopia is the name of one chapter here. Beloved, some of you seem genuinely surprised that most black folks fear the police. You're sometimes shocked that we think of them as a brutalizing force. You cringe when we say they're out to do everything but serve and protect us. You think we are manufacturing stories about our bad encounters with the police. You think that we must have done something wrong to provoke such remorseless cruelty. And yet, we have exhausted ourselves telling you how they mistreat us so routinely that it is accepted as the way things are and the way things will always be. Um, he goes on about it quite a lot more uh, in the book and about a lot of uh, fascinating topics. Um, I think this picture covers uh, a great deal of that ground. And because it's so dazzling uh, in its effect and so um, effective uh, in all of the, uh, uh, and its dazzle, uh, that, the, that it, because it's colorful and funny and real and cruel and um, uh, uh, not all the characters are uh, lovable, uh, that's what makes it, um, uh, I think, a stunning picture. And probably the best picture of that year, certainly. Um, just to put it in perspective for you, when I was talking earlier about how white people are invented, at Cannes, it was having a huge run. Not that I care anything about film festivals, but just to give you an orientation. Uh, Cannes that year, it was doing mad business. Everybody was talking about it. Sex, Lies, and Videotape got the palm door. Now, I'm sure you've seen Sex, Lies, and Videotape. You probably have. If you're my age, you have. If you're younger than me, you probably wouldn't. Nah, I don't know. <laughs> it's not a terrible movie, but it's about four white people sharing their sexual and emotional lives by talking into a camera. The movie that won Best Picture that year was not Do the Right Thing. Do the Right Thing wasn't even nominated. It was a movie called Driving Miss Daisy. And it's, yeah. Remember the whole part we read earlier about how white people are invented and we don't really exist because we made this up? <clears throat> the winning picture was Driving Miss Daisy, which is the story of a very nice older Southern lady coming to terms with her longtime driver, Morgan Freeman, who never won an Oscar along with, uh, or did he win a 41? No. No. Samuel Jackson's never won an Oscar. Morgan Freeman never won an Oscar. Well, we won't go into it. Um, Spike Lee was not nominated. He was nominated for screenplay, I think. And Danny Aiello, who plays Sal, the pizza store owner, was, I believe, nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Um, but I think that's where the humor comes in. When a movie like this comes out, and it's been 27, you know, 25, 27 years now since the picture came out, uh, and it still is pertinent um, in that urgent way that uh, calls on us to get uh, out there and deal. Uh, not only is that true, but um, the reality that when it came out, it was considered controversial. When you watch it now, you'll understand it better simply because time's moved on and all of the devices that he uses in the picture are so effective still. Um, it's a diatribe, but it's also a, a, a banner um, uh, that you're supposed to follow and also that's fun. Uh, and I, think, I don't think you can say any more for a picture that's about uh, 
something as, as deeply important as race relations and the police in this country. And therefore, I give you Spike Lee's 1989, Do the Right Thing. Right, what a picture. Love and hate, Malcolm X and Dr. King, uh, the, the black and white, it's uh, such a profound reflection. Uh, um, and it gives everyone so much to uh, deal with and think about the whole time. And yet it's buoyant. Um, G. Willikers, uh, Samuel L. Jackson's character, uh, is in the great tradition of omniscient DJ characters. For instance, uh, Super Soul in the movie Vanishing Point or Wolfman Jack in American Graffiti. I love the overarching person who knows everything uh, that's perched up above playing music through the whole thing. The jazz soundtrack by Spike Lee's father, Billy, is uh, most uh, effective, I think, in the picture. Um, uh, there's a thousand questions this movie raises. And at the end, uh, the ambiguous ending where he uh, uh, runs the Malcolm X quote and the Martin Luther King quote uh, side by side, I think is uh, the part that uh, leaves us all with something to um, uh, cogitate about. Um, we know what the situation is now in the United States and uh, that's why there's this giant call to arms. I urge you um, to uh, do the right thing and uh, participate in uh, this uh, fabulous democracy that we have. Um, aside from watching this picture, which is required viewing, and maybe urging other people to have a, a look at it that ain't seen it yet, um, you might think about going to the tax march uh, on Saturday, uh, or the science march that's coming up, or ever participating in calling. Uh, doing these things uh, will make you feel better, um, because you have to understand that uh, even though the overwhelming tide of history uh, seems like a giant white guy parade of atrocities, uh, which it is, um, uh, there's always wins, and um, the fact that we're even having this discussion is a win, uh, if you know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, I, I never end on a, a note of um, uh, negativity, because I don't think uh, that's positive in the universe, and I don't think it's required. What's required is that everyone um, step up and uh, participate uh, in society. And if you think you can abrogate yourself from that, and if you think you can obviate yourself from that, and if you think you can lay back and go, I don't care about politics, mm, politics, politics uh, is going to overwhelm you. The world is going to overwhelm you. So um, you don't have to fight every day, all day. I know, you've got shit to do. Uh, yeah, you got to get up in the morning, you got to eat pizza, you got to script and turn around. I know what's going on. Um, you got to work. We all got to work. Uh, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, lend yourself in the right direction. And if you're a white person, um, listen and atone and uh, uh, understand that everyone's not in the same situation as you. Um, I think this picture is a call to arms in, in a beautiful way. Um, a murder isn't an illustrative fictional act in this movie uh, that uh, illuminates uh, what the reality of the situation is. 
and uh, uh, art can have no greater metaphor uh, or more power. And so uh, let that be a lesson to all of us. I think it's beautiful. Uh, thank you very much for coming out tonight. I don't know when we're going to be back. We're going to be gone for like a month or whatever, but we'll be back in the summer with another picture. Thank you very much for coming out tonight. This has been the Grand Cruise Film Club. You have been the smartest crowd in the world. May every page of trivia be a page. May every bell rings be a cool pop a bell. And if you like to buy bonds, make sure they're very bonds. I wish you nothing but love. Good night. Hey,